so glad to be joining you. Uh, like Joel said, my name is Nico. I'm the next-gen pastor here at Bridgeway. Um, and we're, I'm joining in with you guys in the middle of this series called Made for Mondays, where we've been basically looking at like how our faith plays out throughout the work week. Um, and in case you have slept since the beginning of the series, which hopefully you have, it's been two weeks now, um, first week we talked about this idea that all work is spiritual. Like sometimes we kind of get it in our minds that like people who work at a church, people who are like missionaries, like that's spiritual work and my work is just like a job and that's it. No, no, we said no, all work is spiritual because it was given by God. The second week, which was last week, we talked about this idea of what it looks like to be a Christian employee, right? Working with integrity, working with high performance and working with a great attitude, and so this week, I get everyone's favorite topic as we talk about our bosses, right? <laughs> Depending on your boss, maybe not your favorite topic, or maybe if you really don't like your boss, maybe it's your absolute favorite topic. So the question to get us going is, have you ever had a boss or an authority figure that you maybe struggled to follow a little bit? Show of hands. You don't have to put your hands up. It's a trick question. Of course we have. Everyone has, Right? Like, we have all had people that we struggle to follow. I think part of it is, like, it's kind of just ingrained as us, in us as Americans. Because, like, we literally start. this country started because we said, hey, we don't like our boss. And we literally went over the sea, over the ocean to find a new place to start. Like, that's how bad we don't like authority. And then when we got there and the British kept saying, like, hey, we're still your boss. We said, nah, and we dumped all their tea in the ocean. So, literally, American History 101, we don't really like authority a whole lot. And I think because of that, it's kind of ingrained into us, kind of comes with the territory. And so, with this topic, I think what comes with it is a lot of stories where we can share and talk about our bosses. And if you're like me, I have had great experiences and not so great experiences with bosses in the past. Um, I'll never forget one of my very first bosses I ever had. Um, she was an awesome boss sometimes and also not an awesome boss at other times. Like depending on her mood when she walked in, it completely changed the day. Um, so when she would walk in on a good day, oh my gosh, she was the best to work for. Like I would have worked for her for the rest of my life because like she would be like, hey, you know what? Don't worry about coming in this weekend. Just take it off. You know what? We're actually going to pay you anyways. So that was awesome. Like would pay for everybody's lunch, would like take suggestions, even if they weren't that good. And like, you know what? Let's make this happen. We like what you're trying. Um, and like would help out. Like I'll never forget. There was this one time we had a customer coming in and like they had an order that they were supposed to be picking up and they were already kind of mad about it in the first place. And as a young high school kid, I completely messed up, basically completely messed up the order. And as soon as that customer got here, I was like literally, because I was so scared, I was like kind of hiding in the corner going, this person's about to rip my head off. My boss is about to rip my head off. And then as soon as the customer saw it, the boss literally just took the, the blame, said, oh, I'm sorry, I messed it up. You know, I did all the things and like literally kind of just took all that off of me and never even made a big deal about it. And it was like, oh my gosh, it was such an amazing feeling, right? Like we love having a boss like that. But on the other days where she walked in and wasn't so happy, and it wouldn't be even connected to work, so it wasn't like anything I could control, she would be completely different. Like we always had like a big sack of like all our reports and like all the different orders we're working on. If she was in a bad mood, you'd almost know instantly because she'd walk in, boom, just hit the papers all up in the air and was not going to clean them up. So it was the rest of us, we're going to be the ones cleaning it up. Yeah, I thought that only happened in the movies. That happens in real life too. 
<laughs> um, or would like say, you know what, we're all skipping lunch today. Even though we weren't even in a rush, we had plenty of time to get things done. She'd be like, no, 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 we're done, we're out of here. Um, or like even when everything was going good, would sometimes just get really mad about random stuff. Like one of the things that she used to do, which drove me nuts, is when she was trying to organize paper, would sometimes use the trash can as a place to hold the paperwork. So then, of course, it would just fall into the trash can, and then now we don't have that paperwork anymore. It's a whole thing. Um, and one last story to share with you guys, just because I can't ever imagine when I would have to use this at another time. So I'm just going to give this one. This one's for free. Another boss I had uh, when I went to Purdue University, boiler up, um, one of, for six months, I worked in one of like the little food courts that they have there. And my boss, um, for some weird reason, it was right when Hollaback Girl by Gwen Stefani came out as like a big hit. Some of you guys know that song, hopefully. Sorry for everyone who doesn't. You're too young. Um, anyways, she literally had this weird thing that she did that every time you asked her to do something, she said, yeah, yeah, I can do that, but I ain't no hollaback girl every time. And like the first time, you're kind of like, oh, that's kind of funny. Maybe the second time, I definitely gave her a humor laugh the third time. Ten times my first day of work. And like that's just for me. That's not to all the other times I heard her doing it to all the other employees and literally the entire six months, the joke didn't stop. It would literally drove me up a wall. Um, so all that to say is that I know and I bet that I am not the only one that struggles sometimes with leadership in their lives, right? Like authority is something that everyone has to deal with. Because whether you're here and you're a Jesus follower, or maybe you're here, someone like kind of just checking out the whole Jesus thing, you're kind of just open to this idea, or maybe you're here and you're just kind of here for a laugh, or you're watching online for a laugh, because like you kind of think we're all crazy for kind of believing in this whole Jesus thing. Like authority is something that we all have to deal with, which is what we're, why we're going to be focusing on it this morning. And so this week, as I talk about our favorite topic of authority, I specifically kind of want to focus in on when authority is something that we don't want to follow, or like how to choose to follow when we even have a leader that's maybe not that great of a leader. Because the thing is, I know in a room like this and in people online, there are so many different people here who have so many different stories and coming from like different angles. And so a lot of you are already kind of doing the yeah, but, like, I can already hear you saying it, like, yeah, but you don't know my situation, yeah, but hold on, what about this, or what about this really random scenario that happened to me one time, like, yes, and we're going to talk about some of those things, um, but what I want to kind of just talk about first is just, like, kind of just a normal leader who might be just a bad boss or maybe kind of incompetent, because if we think about it, like, we don't really mind, you know, when our bosses are really great, right, like, we kind of just take it for granted, or we sometimes don't mind even doing things. Like, I have never one time complained when my boss came by and said, hey, there's cake in the break room. Like, I just kind of get excited, right? Like, I would love to follow that leader. Step it up. Um, <laughs> I'm saying that now. We're laughing. Hopefully, he thinks it's funny later. Um, or, like, I'll never forget, different boss. I, one time, he walked in and said, hey, Nico, I just want you to know, there's 30 Chick-fil-A sandwiches in the break room if you want any. I literally just started crying. Like, it was, like, could you say anything more beautiful to me in that moment? No, I loved it. Or, like, I remember my very first job, I had to pick up the, pay, the paychecks because we weren't doing, like, auto deposit kind of stuff. So I had to go pick up the paychecks. And I will tell you that every time my boss said, hey, go drive, go get the paychecks, like, it was, like, the best feeling. Like, even though I knew I was going to get paid no matter what, it felt so good to know, like, yes, this is something I would love to do, boss. Sure, I'll go do it. 
Um, and like we've all had bosses before, right? That if they are really good, like you will go the extra mile for it and you don't even really mind because you're like, you know what? I know this boss has my back. I know I'm gonna, they're gonna kind of stand up for me when it comes to it. Um, so we're not talking about those kinds of bosses today. What we're talking about more is I wanna focus on when your boss is maybe kind of lazy or irresponsible or disrespectful or let's be honest, just kind of dumb sometimes, or wrong, or hurtful, or abusive? Like, what do we do then in those scenarios? Like, are we still required to be good to bad leaders? Like, God, does God really want us to follow a leader who isn't doing what God says, and kind of leading them maybe how God wants them to lead? Like, am I required to be a good follower of like my government officials, my boss, supervisor, teachers, manager, whoever it is, an authority over us, if they're clearly just not very good at their job? Like if my boss makes Michael Scott look like a dream boss and a great option, am I allowed to kind of just quit and just stop doing this? Like am I allowed to be disrespectful or how can I protect myself from a leader who's maybe doing a bad job and maybe even hurting me in some ways? Like these are really honest questions. And because dealing with authorities who don't live up to the responsibility is, to be honest, like let's, it's kind of one of the most challenging things we have to deal with, Right? Because it always kind of seems to bleed into the rest of our lives. Like sometimes it can be like, oh, your boss is really mean to you. So then you're frustrated and then you get home and then you take out your frustration with your family. And even if that's not the case and you're a better person than I am, like sometimes it is just as simple as like having a boss that can be frustrating can just make it so you're just more tired and you're more worn out. So you have less energy for the people at home. Because the truth is, is that how we react to authority is going to change us. Because we'll always have some sort of authority over us, and it's not always going to be good. There will always be some sort of authority over us. And although this is complicated, the good news is that God has given us a starting point for how to be a good follower of a bad leader. So today, we're going to look at a passage found in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And the interesting thing about this book is that we don't really know who wrote it, which is kind of weird. Normally, we always say, like, oh, yeah, this person wrote it. Like, this is one of the only New Testament letters that we don't really have an idea of who wrote it. We don't know if it was a woman. We don't know if it was a man. All we know is that it was not, we don't know who it was for sure. We know that it was written and intended for an audience of Jewish people who had then became Jesus followers. They were men and women who had grown up familiar with like the Jewish law and the Jewish customs. In a lot of ways, they were kind of learning an entirely new way of life when they started following Jesus. And so Hebrews, specifically chapter 13, is full of instructions on like how we should manage like our relationships and in our lives. Like people who are under us, people who are over us. And what's really interesting about this chapter is it talks a lot about how, how we uh, submit to authority isn't just a kind of a them and us thing, but it also kind of shapes our lives even outside of the relationship, can have a significant impact on us. So the writer of Hebrews actually encourages us to put ourselves in the shoes of others and focus on how we would want to be treated in the same situation. So chapter 13, this is the first verse, or verse 17, this is what it says. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. So first part of this verse, kind of straightforward, right? 
Like, we are to have confidence in our leaders. We're supposed to submit to them. And it kind of sounds simple when I say it like this from a stage, right? But I think more tangible for us to kind of think about this is for us to kind of believe the best in the person leading you. Like, how often have you done that this week? I know I have definitely messed up on that probably multiple times this week and multiple times I will in the future. Like, what if we believe that even if you aren't sure they're right, we were still going to believe the best in our authority figures? Even if you are sure that they are for sure wrong, what if, you're still, what if we still believe the best in them? Like, we can choose to believe that people are good and that they have good intentions even when sometimes it's a little hard, maybe sometimes harder to believe that with certain people, but we can still choose to believe the best in the people that we have to follow. And then the writer goes on to say, submit to them, which I know we don't really love. Uh, even me, like, I kind of feel a little gross even saying it because we all kind of hate like that word of like submit because it kind of feels like turn off your brain, just do what I tell you to do, right? But I think another way that we can kind of talk about it is accept, like for us, the challenge to us is in any situation when that we're dealing with authority is that we first have to kind of accept the relationship that we're in, the relationship where we're the boss and we're, they're the boss and we're not. And I think for some of us, like that might be like, that's all you really need today. Like that's just the thing that you need to do at your work is accept like, hey, you know what? I'm not the boss. That other person, the person maybe I'm struggling with, sometimes maybe don't even always enjoy being around, like that person is the boss and I'm not. We have to accept that relationship. And obviously, this is so much easier said than done, right? Um, I have a beautiful 18-month daughter, 18 months. I always want to say 18-month-year-old. It doesn't make sense. So this is her. She's beautiful, right, Junia? Um, yeah, I love always hearing the, oh, it's because I know she's cute. And I know that, but you guys don't get to see her all the time. But you don't have to be around her long, and you will see that she does not always have a cute smile like this when I tell her to do things. Like, when I tell her to do things, all of a sudden, especially if she doesn't want to do those things, she'll cry, she screams, she's kicking, she's doing this really cute thing right now where sometimes she, like, lays on the ground and kind of kicks like this, and I don't even know where she learned it, and I'm like, half of it, I'm like, this is actually super cute, even though you're disobeying me right now, and I have to, like, literally hide my smile behind my, you know, my mouth or my hand because I know it's not always going to be cute, um, but if she doesn't get her way, 100%, she's going to make sure that you know it. And we may not behave that way anymore now that we've gotten older on the outside, but let's be honest. Like, on the inside, this is something, sometimes how we want to react to authority. Like, we want to throw things, we want to yell at people, we want to hit things, and so on. Why? Because we think that it's not fair. We think that we could do it better and that they're messing up and they're doing something that wasn't how it was supposed to be done. And all that may be true, but listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in the second half of the verse. This is what it says. They keep watch over you as those who must give an account. They keep watch over you as those who must give an account. So in other words, your boss isn't the top dog in the food chain either. Like there's someone over them that they have to give an account to. And I think a lot of us, we don't always think of authority in that way. We think like our boss has like the ultimate voice and is the ultimate decision maker, but that's not completely true. Like managers have to answer to their bosses. Supervisors have to, uh, bosses that they have to report to. Teachers have their own bosses they have to answer to. So as we're kind of getting into this verse, I want to kind of pause for a moment and talk about like a super serious issue that's 
hopefully very much less common. And then we're going to kind of come back to some of these authority issues that most of us face. Because I've also heard this same verse used in really bad ways. And so maybe for some of you guys, you have really been hurt by people in authority. Maybe someone you know has even uh, is, have been hurt and kind of abused their power to um, just discriminate or to, to do some like truly evil things. And this verse is not, I want to be super clear, is not saying that we can just allow those things to happen. In fact, it's actually kind of saying the opposite of that. It's saying that all authority must give an account to somebody. And so for us, that means that when authority is abusive, there is nothing wrong with reaching out for help. Because sometimes that even means like calling the police and talking to them. Like if you're in a situation like that right now, I just want you to know like I'm so sorry that that is something you're having to deal with right now. But all authority must give an account. So maybe the best thing you could do is have a private conversation with somebody about what you need to do next and kind of get some support so you know what to do. But this verse on the other side is also helpful for talking about normal, everyday bosses in our lives. And it's helpful for us to kind of realize that they all report to somebody ultimately. In fact, all bosses have to answer to the ultimate authority of God in the end. This means that your authority figures are responsible for giving an account to God for whatever they do. And you and I, we are not responsible for pointing out and having to try to fix all of their wrongdoings. Justice doesn't depend on us. God is already working on it. So to kind of catch us up to where we're at right now, to summarize, your authorities have authority. Ultimately, the boss is God. God is paying attention to what they do and what they don't do. God looks out for your, their best interests and your best interests. And when things are going wrong or unfair, God still sees it. And fixing the problem with your authority figures is God's job, not yours. And so finally, I want to close out with the end of this verse. And this is what the writer says. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. Do that so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. So the writer is telling us to submit to our authority figures in life. And why is he asking this? Because it's just the right thing to do. Because that's what we were always told as a kid. Yes, all of those. But more than that, he's saying that when we make their work a burden, when we make our boss's work a burden... It's no benefit to us, right? Which means that when we do submit and make their work easier and make their work a joy, we benefit. When we do submit and make their work a joy, we benefit from it because it makes our lives better. And it's so true when you think about it. Like when you honor your boss, don't they usually, and I'm saying a strong usually, give you more freedom? Like when you respect your manager, aren't they normally easier on you in the long run? Like when you follow your boss's lead, aren't they more likely to invest in you because they start to believe in you more? And not only all those things, but when you submit to your boss, I really believe it's one of the ways that we can learn as people to kind of better submit to God because we have to learn in a tangible way what it looks like to submit to something. And that's why if you're here, and even if you aren't a Jesus follower, this whole topic should matter to you. Because even in just like a practical sense, like outside of your faith kind of motion here, that your relationship with your boss, the better it is, the better your life is probably going to be. Because your work time is going to be better. And they're going to be kinder to you. 
And that's what God wants you to see, is that when you have a healthy, respectful, honoring relationship with your authorities, it doesn't just make the job more joyful for them, it also makes life better for you. And you actually end up getting more freedom and more opportunities and more mutual respect. So in a way, it's actually kind of almost one of the biggest acts of self-care that we can do is to follow our authorities well. Well, obviously, the question comes up is, well, but what about when it doesn't work out that way? Like, that's the ideal, Nico. But, like, what about when no matter how much we work, a boss doesn't change? Like, I've been in my job for 20-plus years, and I've had the same boss, and I've tried my best, and, like, they still just don't really, you know, grow or budge an inch on any of that stuff. Or what if, like, my boss goes from bad to worse? Or they couldn't care less about what's wise or fair or right or safe. They're mean. They lie. They single you out all the time. They don't seem to be getting any better or smarter. What if they even ask you maybe sometimes to do like dishonest things or cheat? Or like what if like they're worse than like that boss from office space who's like walking around with coffee in his hand, kind of just waiting to make you like when you mess up and coming over to check in like, hey, Peter, how are we doing on those TPS reports? Like what if that's how your boss is, like just only looking for you to mess up? Well, the good thing is that we, Jesus is still our filter that we get to put everything else through. So what, with whatever your boss is asking you to do goes against what God wants We get to stand firm and do what's right. Because the truth is, there may be times when the right thing to do is respectfully, hear me on this, respectfully and humbly and compassionately defy an authority in your life because they lead you against what's right or what's wise. And I think sometimes we get that messed up because we're like, oh, I'm going to defy them. And then we just do it in the most blatant, brazen way that we possibly can. And then it just makes things get worse. No, no, no respectfully, humbly, and compassionately. Like, isn't it true? Like, this is the reason, like, we still celebrate the legacy and life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Like, he was a master at this. He was living under the authority of our government that deemed certain people based on their skin color as more important or more worthy than others. And he didn't just obey those unjust laws. Like, he stood up for what was right to the point of, and this is, I don't know, maybe your fun fact for the day, I did not know this, but was put in jail 29 times. Like, I always thought, to be honest, like, I was like, yeah, it's probably like eight or nine. No, 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 29 times. Like, he chose justice even when it took a toll on him. And what's beautiful about the story of MLK is that when you see photos of him being arrested, like, he was never, like, fighting and kicking and screaming going in. No, he would allow them to arrest him because he knew that was a consequence for standing up to authority, but he was willing to risk it because he knew it was the right thing to do. And so, so far, we've kind of looked at like what it looks like to be a good follower of a bad leader. And I kind of want to shift our focus a little bit on kind of the other side of the coin. And that is that we all, every person in this room and every person watching online, we all have authority in some ways in our lives. Even if maybe you don't feel it right now, maybe you feel like you don't have enough of it, but we all have authority. And there's a good chance that as you grow, you're going to continue to have more authority in in the coming years. So first of us, everyone has authority in their personal lives. Like no matter what it looks like, even if like you're a parent right now and like it feels like you don't have a lot of authority in your own lives because you got everything that you have to do, like no matter where you're at, we all have some authority in our own personal lives. But then on top of that, like family life. 
like as a father or a mother or how, leading a family, like you have authority in that family. Sometimes it's not, a little bit easier than others, but it's still there. And then, of course, yes, we have our work lives, right? Like if you are a manager or a supervisor or a teacher or a boss, like you have the opportunity to craft a large part of your employees' days, right? Like we spend a lot of time at work. And I think a question that we need to ask ourselves, if that's you, is that are you leading in a way that is friendly to their families? Like are you constantly asking them or making them choose work over family? Because as we've said in every week of the series, the bottom line is super important, but people are always more important every single time, and that never changes. And I think the question that we have to ask ourselves if we're leaders is, are you worth following? Like, are you worth following? Is your leadership worth following? Would you want other people to lead the way that you do? Like, are you taking the things that, like, how your boss leads and, like, growing from that and changing it? Or are you just going, oh, well, this is how my boss leads. I hated when he did that. So now I'm also still doing that because I haven't seen it shown any other way. Like, I think especially in our families, like, we do this all the time with our parents. I can't even tell you the amount of conversations I've had with people, and I'm super guilty of this, too, of, like, there are things that, like, my parents did growing up, and I'm like, I'm never doing that when I get older. And now I'm doing it all the time because, like, it's just hard to kind of break some of those things that you've seen other people do. Well, sometimes we do that with our bosses as well, where they do certain things that we hate them doing, and then we continue to do that in our own leadership. And I think the best example of a well-lived leader is Jesus. And so I want to look at a story in his life, in John 13, that I think is going to give us a better way to be leaders and to make us leaders worth following. So Jesus was having dinner with his disciples. But to Jesus, it wasn't just like an ordinary dinner for him. Like this was going to be the last dinner that he ever had with his friends before he was publicly executed. And Jesus knew this. His disciples had no idea what was about to happen. And I can't imagine like the level of like anxiety and emotions that Jesus had to be feeling in this moment, knowing that soon he was going to be arrested and beaten and put to death. But in this moment of Jesus's greatest need, instead of making it about himself, he flipped it and did something so sacrificial. Check this out. It says, the evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Like, I know this is one of those Jesus greatest hit story, but like for a minute, pause and like imagine this scene. Like Jesus is sitting there with a towel wrapped around his waist, knelt down, has a water full of basin, going around and washing these men, which they did not prompt this. So there's a good chance they probably had nasty toenails and all those things. They had these disgusting feet and he's washing them. And what normally would have been saved for like the lowest ranking person in the room, Jesus chose to do. And not only did he wash their nasty feet, knowing, just doing that in itself, but doing it knowing that soon those same feet 
when he was in his greatest need, are going to be the ones that were running away from him. They were going to be deserting him when he needed them the most. And his authority led him to a place of service instead of a place of making a big deal about himself. And I don't know about you, but to be honest, every single time I read that story, it's like I can't imagine doing that. Like to think about, especially even Judas, knowing he was going to be the one that kind of set events into motion that was going to cause Jesus' death. Like I can't imagine going, you know what, I'm going to wash your feet anyways. I'm still going to serve you. Even though all the rest of you guys are going to desert me, I'm still going to do this. Because I think a lot of times we can be so preoccupied with our own needs or what needs to be done that we don't even have the opportunity to think about serving others. But that's not how Jesus led Jesus did it. He chose humility. He chose to use his authority to put other people first. And in that moment, Jesus demonstrated for us what true leadership looks like. That true authority reflects that God's love is about caring for other people's needs, even when your needs aren't being met. That it's being focused on others, even when you maybe want them to focus on you. It's about having their back even when they don't have your back. It's about serving them even though you know they're not perfect and they're going to mess up. Because with, that's the picture of authority that we get from Jesus. He gives us this example of leading with a towel instead of with a crown. To make a big deal about service instead of making a big deal about himself. And maybe it seems strange or even impractical at times, but that is what following Jesus looks like. He's called us to live so differently from the rest of the world that maybe it will sometimes feel like you're living upside down because most of our world wants to live leading with a crown instead of with a towel. And Jesus flips that whole thing on its head. So the question is, at least for me, and I'm sure you're thinking the same thing, is how do we take that next step? Like, what do we do? Because like, this is a lot and bosses can be rough. How can we take a step forward in this? How do we get better at following leaders? And for those of you who are in the reality of having like an authority who's really hard to follow, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that the poor decisions that they make or the attitudes or the way that they're modeling it, it should never be that way. But if it is, I think I have hopefully three steps, three things that we can take. Maybe for you, one of these is enough. Maybe for some of you, are like, yep, I need all three. I need all three. I'm there. I'm on that team. So let me run through these real quick with you. First one is as simple as this, forgive. Like, I think sometimes um, we kind of run into this thing where we have a boss or an authority figure, and it's really easy to kind of dehumanize them, right? Like, we don't really think of them as just a normal human. There's almost like they have, like, some sort of weird superhuman strength in it. But I think we just have that, have that reminder that we're all humans. Like, we're all imperfect people who are loved by a perfect Savior. And if our authority figures are good enough for Jesus to forgive man, they should be good enough for us to forgive too. And maybe they don't deserve it. Like, let's be honest, like some of them are maybe never gonna change, but all we can do is control our actions. And the last thing you ever wanna do is make it so that you have to go to a job every single week and have sit there and hold on to resentment and frustration because of something that your boss did years ago or maybe is continually doing. Maybe for some of us, the best thing that we can do is just choose every single day to just forgive as we're walking in. And it's gonna be like a daily thing until it gets easier and easier. So maybe for some of us, forgiveness is where it starts. The second thing is just be responsible. 
Um, there's that phrase that, at least when I was a kid, and I think it's still a thing, people see, said all the time, that two wrongs don't make a right. Like, this 100% applies in this situation. Because irresponsible actions will always lead to terrible outcomes. Like, we need to be people who choose to try to make the right choice regardless of what other people are doing. And this includes honoring people who are in authority over us. I, to be honest, like, I can't even begin to list all the times I have seen this play out, even in my life and in workplaces that I've worked at, where it is 100% like somebody made a bad choice, and instead of making them the right choice, everyone else then got mad and then made the bad choice, and then they got mad so they made the bad choice. And it's just like this big, weird, spiraling thing for nothing, right? Like, it just ends up getting worse and worse instead of better and better. What if we were people who were like, you know what, I'm going to be responsible for my actions, even if I can't be responsible for my boss's actions, even if I can't be responsible for my teacher's actions or my parents or whoever it is, that I'm going to be responsible for what I do. I promise you will never regret that. And then the last one, and maybe all of us need to do this every single day anyways, is just lead up. Like, when the authority figures in your life choose not to lead well, Someone still has to, right? You may not actually be the boss, but you can choose to have a better attitude and treat people well and serve others and act responsibly. And your words will probably speak a lot louder than the one who is actually in authority. Or you may even inspire your bosses or your authority to lead differently because of that. You can't control them, but you can control you. So we can do your part and trust God with his. When we respect our authority and honor God with our actions, it is so pleasing to him. God wants to do amazing things in us and through us. And choosing to respect our authority by controlling what we can control opens the door for him to really use us into the full potential and the place that he has put each of us. 